all you seekers, explorers, and uh, renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience uh, podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Today I'm exploring and discussing the subject of uh, freedom with our lovely audience. With the increased polarized societies that we live in, at least in the Western world, we do notice uh, today that you know the concept of freedom is uh, at stake. The idea of freedom among the collective and the individual freedom is uh, something that is being disputed uh, heavily across all societal levels. The purpose of this discussion is not necessarily to come to a conclusion of what's right and wrong, but rather to have the opportunity to ask the questions and uh, discuss the topic in an uh, open forum that is safe from judgment. Having an opinion without being bullied is certainly one of the aspects of freedom that we do cherish on this show and uh, that we do uh, certainly not take for granted and we do give an opportunity to people, people to exercise. And exercising that we shall. So without further ado, I am now handing you over to uh, the discussion. Enjoy. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to today's discussion. Today we're discussing freedom. It's a big topic these days uh, with uh, everybody coming in and out of uh, lockdown and restrictions and vaccines and vaccine passports and so i think freedom is something that is on top of mind for a lot of people at the moment so nelson mandela said that for to be free is not merely to cast off one's chains but to live in a way that respect and enhances the freedom of others so thinking about that a little bit is looking at the individual's freedom as opposed to the freedom of the collective. Freedom of your community, freedom of uh, the country you're in, um, or freedom of any you know, collection of countries that may have some sort of an arrangement. What... what uh, what should take precedence, right? So that is one part of it. Now, free will, to me, to kind of look at what it is, we're talking about uh, choice, free will of choosing your thoughts, your words, and your actions, because those are the things you can control. Uh, so it becomes your choice to be authentic. It's your choice to present yourself to the world in a way that is the way you want to present it. And now, if we choose to go and do something that inflicts something on someone else, do we have the freedom to do that? So for example, here is a, a bit of a challenge for you. Of course, I think we, most of us will agree that going out on the street and beating someone up, 
that knowledge okay in terms of I should should I have the freedom to do that? But now here's another one. Should I have the freedom to ignore all the, the quarantine measures and what have you and be infected by corona and then go and infect someone else? Do I have the freedom to do that? So now where does my individual freedom start and where does it end? Is there boundaries to it? And uh, I'll... So I think it's interesting that you're talking about freedom from the perspective I was really like before this topic, I was looking it up and in the Bill of Rights in the United States, it was given to the citizens in 1791. And ultimately there are a lot of different versions of freedom. So you have the individual freedom, you have a familial freedom, then you have community freedom, and then you have like country freedom, and then you also have governments. So I think it's kind of like similar to one of the previous podcasts you had with intimacy circles of the fact that there are different groups of things that you have within those different constructs. But I think that one of the things that's been so illustrating and what you're talking about with the pandemic specifically is that every single group reacted to it differently. Mm-hmm. And it's the same exact thing. So you're seeing some of the really bad choices of people using it to you know, really come down hard on their citizens and other people who have more of an idea of like, we're just gonna kind of like let everything, you know, it's like the French, the laissez le bon temps relay, you know, the whole, the let the good times roll and just see what they, what may come. So it's, it's that kind of philosophy of where a lot of people, we won't really know until you're out of it. So sometimes you might think that you want freedom, but then really you don't, but then you also might think that you don't want it, but you do. And oftentimes it's, it's kind of like that, you don't want, you don't know what you've got until it's gone. So when you're in the middle of it, you think, oh, I, I wish I wish that I didn't have to wear a mask when I went outside all the time. But then there are other times of where, you know, other people are now having states and other places where they're saying they're not wearing a mask and everyone's like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? You're gonna kill everybody. So because everything really is based in fear, fear is the antithesis to freedom. So that's something of where I just like to throw that out. Yep. I'm in agreement with that, uh, but where does the fear exist? Right, and that your freedom is going to be taken away. You want you want the the freedom to be given to you willingly, but then when the, those things start becoming, you know, in a totalitarian fashion, I mean, one of the things I found really alarming, especially in I think May, when Mayor Garcetti from Los Angeles started talking about the analytics for the GPS tracking systems and how Angelinos weren't moving around. Nobody gave anybody permission to be looking at their cell phone data. Nobody gave anybody permission in the government analytics that was not permittable, but he was saying, oh, well, there's only 6% of people that are moving, so the lockdown is working. When, when people are covertly doing things that they feel like they have gotten those things out of, at least for us in 9-11, we have the Patriot Act, and the Patriot Act basically gave people rights that never got taken away. So yeah. now it's the things that are in addition to. Absolutely, and uh, that's that comes down to our elected officials, right? And uh, I, I'm uh, uh, intimately familiar with the Patriot Act because I was in America during during those the times that it was uh, imposed, as it were. Uh, but it's it does beg the question: Where does freedom exist? Is it an intrinsic or extrinsic? uh experience 
Thank you very much. Well, I raised my hand before you threw that question, so I'm not ready to tackle this question yet. Uh, although it might appear something uh, might appear whilst our talk, but one of the things that I that I think when we talk about freedom and that we sometimes don't look at this from this perspective that you can't have the freedom as the standalone concept. I think that with the freedom, it comes responsibility and you cannot, I don't think that talking about freedom just, just for sake of talking about freedom without talking about the responsibility, it uh, adds anything to the discussion really. Because you can be free, but then if your choices Yes, if your choices are free, but then if you don't take the personal responsibility, then what sort of the moral values are you gonna adhere to? How are you gonna conduct your life? If theoretically you are completely free and authentic and you don't have any moral compass and moral values, who are you gonna be? What sort of the person are you gonna become? And so I think when, I think it is really important to talk about the responsibilities when it comes to freedom. And I think it's really important to talk about education when it comes to freedom and educate people what does freedom mean and actually that it is your responsibility to conduct life in the way that is compassionate, that you are aligned with values of other people that you are not going and hurting others and it is your responsibility you can't blame others for your own failures you are free to make decisions you are made you are free to make choices but you are taking responsibility for your own actions and if you hurt someone you can't blame system government or anyone else for hurting other people so you've got to if you want to be free You've got to take responsibility for, for that. Um, and I think this is something that requires dialogue. And I don't think that we are good in having that dialogue now, especially which especially has been seen during the uh, time of, of pandemic in the last year, that everything is moving with such a pace that we don't have time to listen to each other. We don't have time to um, develop our thinking and our understanding and the, the current culture it's um people are getting so attached to the ideas and the emotions that are promoted via twitter or via those short snippets that you know that person said that that person said that and we don't follow deeply enough or we don't dig deeply enough to understand what the person actually meant and it's very easy to jump to the conclusions and I think, yeah, I, I think, I think that uh, well, my point is like, yeah, if if you want to be free, we've got to be able to take the responsibility for our own actions and do it in the best interest for ourselves and others around and the planet, as well. So, if you look at if we look at today's society, what who decides what a responsible person is? Because if you look at, at least in the industrial world, the idea of greed is a lot of times almost celebrated, but greed can be a very harmful act to those that are subjects or negatively affected by it, right? Uh, but it's a, it's a 
granted freedom to act in greed. Like if you take, for example, in America, you have the uh, uh, law that states that you, as a public company, you have to look after the interests of the shareholders. Now that's your sole responsibility as a company. And a company is a collection of individuals. So they have all decided, you know, that they're going to use their freedom to make money for those shareholders, right? Now that could be on the, to the detriment of the environment, or that could be to the detriment of, uh, you know, labor law or uh, laborers in other countries, like child workers in uh, developing countries. So where does the responsibility come in? Where, yes, I agree, freedom under responsibility, but who decides what is the responsible responsibility? And I think that's going to change, uh, be different if you look at different cultures, right? So the, in Russia, the idea of responsibility might be very different from what it is in America versus North Korea versus you know, Vietnam, et cetera. Uh, yeah. I- 100% agree with you, and I don't think that we've got this question or answer for this question nailed it, and I think this is the process of development, and I think one of the biggest problems is that if you are politician or if you are entrepreneur, very successful entrepreneur, I think there is still this kind of stigma associated with saying, I don't know, and the truth is like everything our under the landscape under our feet is moving and sometimes the decision that you make is going to have the consequences even if you are doing something for the best um with the best intentions you can't predict the actions of of that mm-hmm. so i think it is very important to be self aware and to be aware of the landscape that is moving and changing constantly changing and you've got to adjust your actions to the landscape that is changing and the same you've got to be kind of very careful with the examination of your own biases and really know where where you are in your life to understand that your perception, your own emotions, your own thoughts, feelings have the huge impact on the way you see the world and you interact with that world. So basically what I'm, and, and, and I think this is, this is one of the things that it's, um, it's not like we don't teach our kids how to be mindful like in this is not the kind of the mindfulness for example it's not the part of mainstream curriculum in the schools and teachers are doing all you know this like super hard job it's one of the most difficult jobs in the world to be to be a teacher for those kids and actually i think you know, the part of the curriculum, it should be to teach kids how to how to take that ownership and responsibility over their own actions. And I think what it has been kind of apparent recently, or, and I don't have like any research to back it up, but it's more kind of anecdotal research that is coming from the various sources. It's uh, that kids at school are becoming more and more demanding and there is a lot of blame put on teachers and teachers, for example, they they have a lot of responsibility in their hands to deal with those kids, but they have less and less power 
to and to teach kids about that responsibility and that freedom. So yeah, I'm not I yeah I'm not claiming that I don't have any answers for that, but and it is very difficult difficult um, concept to talk about really. Absolutely, and that's that's why we're challenging ourselves to uh, do that today. Go ahead, Barbie. Well, one example that I have that's kind of funny is that I have a friend who lives, who's from Croatia originally, but then she and her husband moved to Vienna, Austria. So then they had the Vienna, Austria lockdowns. She's currently in Bosnia because there's no lockdowns at all. And it's literally almost everything is, you know, right next door. But in one place, it's totally like, hey, free for all, do whatever you want. And another place, everything's completely shut down. So even in New York City, there are places of where, you know, you go over in a one zip code and you can have dining and then the other zip code, you can't. And it just, there, there really is no rhyme or reason. So unfortunately that also the human mind has to have a construct. It makes things very confusing to the point of where they get to a point where they don't believe anything at all. Mm -hmm. But I want to refer back to something that I know you guys had also talked about prior in other um, podcasts as well, which I absolutely love. And those are the, the Mayberry's two laws. And that those are certain unalienable rights that have to do with that you do all that you've agreed to do and you do not infringe upon others and their property. And ultimately, I think that that to me comes into the concept of personal freedom, because if I know that I'm never, ever going to encroach on your freedom and where my freedom ends is where yours begins, then it completely, in my opinion, that creates a utopian society, because if I'm not focusing on making you do what I want you to do, but I'm focusing on me being the best me and everybody around me is doing the same thing. That to me is the epitome of what freedom looks like. And that would come under the, the idea that, under the assumption that everybody has a sense of responsibility that matches your sense of responsibility. Um, not necessarily because I mean, like for example, I remember I went to Thailand and I was in Phuket where the tsunami was. And I know that, you know, they were trying to figure out how they were gonna clear away all the debris. And what they did is that they actually got all of the elephants from their sanctuary and they brought the elephants down to the, to the beach and they were able to have them, you know, help out with pulling up all the debris with their trunks because they were really good at doing that. Mm -hmm. But everybody pitched in. It wasn't something that the government said we have to do. It wasn't something they just said, you know what? We'd really like to have clean beaches again after this giant, you know, natural disaster. What can we do to, to be collectively helping? So when you see that groups of people get together randomly and it's not for a profit, but it's for a, 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 like a shared purpose, a lot of times they will drop some of those ideologies and you'll see people that will literally put their hands together and try to help each other. And I mean, after 9-11, that was a really, really big thing to see all the people in New York who were supposedly enemies, all of a sudden they were helping each other out, but now here came the pandemic and they weren't doing the same thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And, but that's, that's where the challenge comes in. Depending on the situation, you end up with either collaboration or conflict, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a given that just because we have individual freedom that we are all going to be in agreement as to what is the collective aspect of that freedom, right? No, because that's the other part where people have different constructs of socialism and communism and capitalism and other things like that. And that created by having the panic, that's where all of a sudden you had all of the paper goods that were wiped out of people's shelves and all of the you know, grocery stores around the world because everybody was panicking that they'd never be able to wipe their butts ever again. So, you know, 
That's right. So people were people were hoarding, you know, things like that. So hoarding is also a fear-based attitude as well, where you think to yourself, oh, I'm not going to have enough. So I better stockpile. And then the next thing you know, then there's not enough left for people who expected that every day they can go into the market and there will be things that'll be available for them. Yeah. And that's to I'm I'm sure to the family who's needs to wipe their butt, that was responsible uh, decision making because they were making sure that their needs were satisfied. But to the collective, that was clearly not the best thing, the most responsible thing to do. So it is a challenging thing. And uh, we'll, I'll kind of dive into my thoughts about it in a bit. Uh, but go ahead, Mally. Yes, I'm unmuting. All right. So I don't know if I'm right, but I, I feel there is a connection between uh, freedom and compassion. And into that, I'm looking more in, uh, at the inner freedom aspect of things mm -hmm. um, and so my 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 thought is that we have more freedom than we usually uh, are trained to think and it starts with um, personal growth and you discover you have much more space in yourself and much more uh, freedom to be who you want to be and in that path of uh, opening to yourself and your own freedom, I think you also connect to more compassion. And from that point of more compassion, I think you feel less threatened um, to change your behavior as in this pandemic, to by compassion, by compassion to protect the most vulnerable ones in your society, which, um, which will uh, end up is probably, you are less inclined to behave in ways that may put other people at risk or create even more chaos into the situation. So I think that when you take the freedom and that responsibility, we talked about responsibility to work on your ego deficiencies and, and, really, and really work on, your, on yourself, you acquire uh, naturally and from the inside a sense of a bigger and larger freedom, but also um, your freedom doesn't equate as uh, Barbie said, uh, what other people are doing, it's, it's you, it's from you. And if you need to, for instance, stay home, be in a lockdown because people are at, at risk, elders or people with diseases, then you don't feel treated in your own freedom and your right, etc. You just think of those other humans and you say, well, of course, I'm gonna change my behavior for the time needed. So you have more chance to go through this um, uh, pandemic uh, without being, without too much harm. Um, and so, um, and so, yeah, so, so that's how like, um, and, and I agree with, that, with um, Barbie, I was thinking about that too, that your freedom hands at the, when the others is freedom is threatened. So, um yeah i don't know that was my um that's my thing i was i was feeling compassion 
um, personal growth and, and freedom are, are, um, inter, uh, are together. They, they work together. Completely and utterly agree with you. Um, I think the, and that, that's why I was starting to say, but, um, uh, kind of throughout the question before, is, is freedom intrinsic or extrinsic? So I think when we, um, we, we start to have that fear come up within us, then that is because our external um, idea of freedom is being threatened, right? But the idea of freedom within uh, that we feel free is a completely an intrinsic uh, value that we can choose to exercise or choose not to exercise. We can choose to feel free or we can choose not to feel free. Um, and I think once you make that conscious choice to free yourself from fear, anger, all of those uh, negative emotions, then what will come in in its place will be, like Nolly says, compassion, uh, charity, love, etc. So when you feel those things, then it's a natural choice to do what, going back to what Carol was saying before, to do the responsible thing. To think about others and how your choices will impact them. So you will make limitations to your, your own physical freedom to allow for the community to have uh, that freedom because you are then you are already free within yourself you have already freed yourself and you doesn't matter if you sit locked up in uh, locked up in your house you have a sense of uh, the freedom exists within you right yes thank you for that sure and um so yeah, there, there is the choice of being able to see yourself, choice of being able to see who you really are and what you want to uh, achieve or present or what you want your life mission to be. And it's recognizing that that's, that's part of your freedom, right? But then we have also a freedom of choice of joining a society or collective. So when we join a society for example in my case i moved to britain and i joined this society then i'm exercising my freedom to make that choice but then i'm also subscribing to the 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 rules that this society has to decided to collectively live under now i can become a uh, protagonist of change to change that in a direction that will then grant more freedoms or grant uh, different kind of freedoms, however it may be. And I mean, we are seeing part of this divisiveness and the, the fear mongering going on in the world today. There's a, uh, a sharp kind of shift towards more conservative values because that, that is, they, I suppose they, <laughs> some some respects, hijack the idea of uh, freedom. Um, uh, but it also, 
freedom in the collective like that does become an illusion from the political point of view because when we elect our officials, we elect them on uh, fixed terms. And during that term, we have no freedom at all because we can't throw them out. You know, if they do a bad job, they're, they're in there for the fixed term. You know, so we do have to understand that we do make choices that limits our freedom as, as well. So, is there a function of absolute freedom? Or is freedom a paradox that we are meant to understand? Uh, for me, it's a paradox. If I have to choose in between those. So I, I came from Cuba. I lived in Cuba 33 years. And I, I have to say that I found freedom in Cuba. So I had a lot of free time and interaction with people that weren't mediated by money, which changed the interaction. But I was living in a dictatorial system and I didn't realize that until I moved to the United States. So it's like very, it's complex. Um, I think a person needs like, a society that enhances freedom to really being able to train themselves as a free individual because we work in society, mm -hmm. but also we need to train ourselves to resolve our individual like questions in our everyday life. I teach children and I've been trying to apply in, in America different system of knowledge, how to get knowledge, and I figured out that when you give freedom, they don't know what to do because they are so used to be like taught step by step and to be guided that when you give them freedom, it's like they don't, we don't know sometimes what to do when we have full freedom. <laughs> so it has, I think we need training on that. When I became to finish, when I became a mom, I felt I lost my freedom. And now that my son is a teenager, I realized that I didn't lose my freedom at that time that I gained something. Mm -hmm. It's a continued learning process. What is freedom? What do I really need at this moment? It's complicated. Absolutely, it's complicated. But thank you for that. I mean, thank you for bringing that perspective of coming from a thought limit or a place where you're limited in your what you can say and how you can act in terms of the individual because the Cuba like any other society like that is set up where the collective freedom is paramount. Individual freedom is not important in comparison to the collective. But is that any different from many other countries where, for example, you take, um, well, you take countries that you pay high, high amounts of uh, tax to create uh, what is called uh, socialized medicine, for example, um, then you don't have any choice in providing into that system. So the, your freedom is then compromised because you are forced to pay taxes into that. Um, and this is 
clear, certainly not a question whether that's morally right or wrong. Uh, it's more, does that infringe on our personal freedom to do that? And is that, would that be akin to some aspects of the Cuban society where the, the, the collective freedom or the, the collective good goes before the individual freedom? I suppose we do that, don't we? When we sign up to be part of a community, we, we pool our resources and we pool our freedoms, as it were, so that when I need help with something, I can get that help from someone in the collective. And in exchange, I'm, I'm promising to help someone with my skills if they need that. So I, I give up that part of my freedom, as it were. Barbie, go ahead. Uh, thanks for what you said, Tatiana. That's really, you're, you have such a great resource in regards to having lived that lifestyle. Because when you don't know it's any different, you basically, that's how you live it. And so you don't really know that it's something different until you go someplace else. And people are like, oh, we do it like this, or we do it like that. And, you know, I watched that too with, with women that I counseled in, in, in prison that a lot of them ended up reoffending because they were so used to being told when to go to bed, when to eat, when to take a shower, when to do this, that when they went out into the world after being behind bars for 20 years, they couldn't handle it. It was too much, uh, it was too much freedom. They, they couldn't handle having, not having their entire day planned for them by somebody else and relinquishing, relinquishing control. And even just kind of fun fact in history that, you know, the Cook Islands in Hawaii, a lot of times I think freedom is based on a, a, a morality based on a societal norm. And you've got a lot of people, especially like in the Western world who were missionaries who went, you know, especially Christian missionaries who went to the Cook Islands and they went to Hawaii and places like that. And I know like when the, you know, when the missionaries would arrive in Hawaii and, and those places, the women were, were naked and they were happy to be naked and they would, you know, greet the boats and how are you doing? And they would meet the guys and the guys were like, oh my God, look at all these hot naked women that want to like serve me food and whatever. I mean, it was like, to them was complete paradise. But then the morality said, nope, 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 nope. Can't be naked. Everyone needs to wear clothes. So now they're putting all these like Western civilization, you know, clothing with buttons and things which are not suitable for that climate at all and saying, well, now you have to dress the way we want to because we're offended by the fact that you're naked. And they're like, what are you talking about? This is our culture. So it's like now it becomes this infringement on other people's rights because you've come and done that. And when I lived in South Korea, they used to have a very shamanistic ideology like about a hundred years ago, but the same thing, the missionaries came in and built the schools where people were poor and then they indoctrinated the kids and then they indoctrinated the parents who then indoctrinated the kids. And now they totally, you know, they think all of that stuff from a hundred years ago that was part of their culture is part of witchcraft. So it is the kind of weird thing of where a lot of the, of the freedom is to keep the status quo, to keep this normality of what you think is moral for the collective whole. Yeah, and uh, religion certainly has a lot to answer in that respect uh, in terms of infringing on our, uh, our freedom to think and philosophize and uh, to, to be visionaries in our own right, right? So I think that is one of the, at least in my work with my coaching, uh, I come across this quite a lot where people are 
they're 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 challenged by the fact that their religious upbringing or their religious religious background prevents them from thinking in a certain way. They don't have the the absolute freedom to think exactly how they wish, uh, because there are uh, levels of shame attached to uh, a lot of these things. And uh, psychologically, we can look at, uh, uh, for example. Uh, obsessive compulsive disorder, where uh, the obsession is having thoughts that society wouldn't think are pure or okay. They're not moral thoughts. So in order to uh, control these thoughts, they, uh, this person then who has um, obsessive uh, obsessions develops a compulsion. So it could be, for example, uh, washing your hands 20 times after going to the bathroom. Um, otherwise, they, something bad is going to happen, or this thought they have is going to materialize or manifest. So this is, I, I suppose, if we, if we didn't have those uh, impositions from moral impositions, as it were, then these <laughs> this thought process wouldn't come into play, um, but that is that becomes an infringement on our uh, uh, on our freedom. And like Melly was saying before, it's when we are able to realize that internal freedom that you know what I can believe whatever I want. Doesn't matter what kind of religious background I came up with, I can believe exactly what I want. And there's a, a huge sense of freedom in that when you realize that. And now for my, my case, I didn't grow up uh, with any religion at all. Uh, so for me to have a belief system, there's freedom in that too, you know, to be able to believe something, right? So there, there could be the flip side as well. In terms of freedom, is there anything else that we can look at? You know, how can we how can we become more free within ourselves? My my point of view of this is that, like Melly was saying as well, that being out there and being role models for uh, being compassionate will then show others what is the benefits are they will say oh i like what he's doing i'm gonna have some of that and the way of doing that is compassion now if you if you have that compassion you realize that freedom that's first more compassion right and then once you get that level of compassion then i think you end up with a collective understanding of what freedom is and you don't actually need to have any rules or laws or anything surrounding it, right? Could we have a society without rules and laws? And if everybody had a high level of compassion? Good question. I believe that we first need to ask the question, like, how do we get there? Like, how do we make ensure that we've got a society that is full of compassion, that it's... Um, and then we can test the hypothesis. At the moment, um, 
we are far from it. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's at least this is my personal point of view. Like, how do we how how do we get there to to make sure that yeah the people are compassionate, and then we can think, oh, is there any? Do we do we need any rules anymore? So yeah, I I will tell you like I told most of my clients, and you've heard me say this before, Carol. That don't worry about the house as long as you know the what's and the why's. The house will uh, sort themselves out if you if you know what you want and you know why you want it, then uh, the house will be sorted by themselves. Um, Melly, go ahead. Um, thank you, Christopher, and thank you, Carol. Um, so I was thinking when you asked that question, what popped to my mind is that. Um, if we take a step back and look at societies, and, and there I will talk about Western society because I can only talk about what I, what I know, is that there is also deficiencies at the society level. And for example, one strong mirage is that freedom equates power of purchase, the power to buy things and acquire things. And it has become something insidious, but in, um, and I, I, I include myself into that. I, I've been born into that uh, society, is that being able to buy anything you want whenever you want is freedom. And you have to do the work, internal work to disentangle all this idea to really find freedom because there you have very rich people that can in fact, in fact buy anything and do anything they want whenever they want because they have that power of buying, of purchasing, but they don't feel free. They feel, uh, they feel lack in their, in their lives. And, and so going back to the inner freedom I think freedom is actually much more than that. It's actually the freedom to have it all, but you have to give yourself the, the freedom to believe that. Mm -hmm. And at the moment you can believe that then um, much more than just being able to buy things can enter your life, such as great relationships, um, uh, a passion in your work, uh, rather than doing a work that gives you money you do a work that gives you freedom of evolving and being of service. Um, so um, that idea of exercising your freedom also is tinted with this deficiency, this, this society that we have that uh, if like, for example, many people felt really frustrated that being in lockdown prevented them from going to buy things going to the mall. Um, so, um, so I think there is this thing that is really, um, that, that is a mirage to think, uh, and is, that is con constantly reiterated by society, by corporation, by your social networks, uh, family and friends, look, I have the freedom to buy this new car. Look at how good and free I am. And um, 
And so we, we really need to, 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 um, to make this uh, shift and make the internal work to disentangle. I'm, I'm in the process, it's messy and, um, and it's not easy, but <laughs> the more you realize and become aware of things, the more you realize that um, um, you might become a weirdo at the end, but uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, you have to do the math for yourself and, and, and to do it, yeah. If you're, not, if you're not a little bit weird, you're not trying hard enough, Molly. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But the, um, no, for sure, you only, the, the materialism gives you freedom until the point that where you realize that you actually weighed and weighed down by the materials that you've acquired. So you've actually lost your freedom because of the material that you've acquired. Hi, um, I, I just think I'm from Melbourne, Australia. So now it's a bit late. <laughs> it is, thank um, you for joining. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think maybe we, we should rediscover really what freedom is, like come from, like we are all born with freedom. Like we, we, we wasn't, need to get back there, probably like um, need to get back in. But the truth is we actually, um, for me, like my perspective is like, we already born with freedom. And for, if you look at the whole life, everyone is probably 65 to seven year, 70 year max in the world. And everyone person you are at this time and space, it's almost like that is the, all the people you get to know. And, the and there's 7 billion of people just say on, on earth. And how many do we know? Like we don't, we probably surround with a few thousand of people throughout our lifetime. Mm -hmm. So I just think like if we have a perspective from that and, and got that, so we come from a position like how cherishable the people you, you know at this moment, because it wasn't like, we, we probably have to con reconstruct the whole thing, like what freedom is, because the truth is, the truth is, I don't think anyone at the end of their life and think, oh, I live such a great freedom life. Like, I just don't experience someone actually, you know, like before their, their, their last moment and earth and feel like they are living a free life. And so I don't know, I just think like we, we probably get, have an inquiry from nothing like from a zero base, which is valid for every humanity. And then we have a look and then, you know, and then we all have interest for the next generation and all that. And just have an inquiry, like what is possible for, for all of us rather than try to fix it or try to, you know, because so many, like so many opinion, I think pass on from many, many generations and some are still, using it and we, we try to fix here and there, but it's just too many um, opinion. So I just think maybe we should have a, come from a ground zero and we look at what freedom for us as humanity and I thought, yeah, that's what I, I, I thought like, maybe that is something yeah. to inquire about. Definitely appreciate that. And I think that also goes back to what uh, Nelly was saying before that it, it it's first when you realize what freedom means to you and what it is internally with you, that you, you can realize that freedom. 
Um, so yes, go rather than changing the society that we're in, for everybody to wake up to their own freedom, uh, we've done zero basic, as it were. Thank you. Um, I was just going to say that to me, I think freedom is in many ways a state of mind. When you think about freedom, like um, imagery of freedom, most of the time you see a flag and that flag has the wind that's basically whipping through it. And so to me, I think that the wind is really the example of the freedom that you feel in your heart because you know that when you have that freedom inside of your heart and you're not shackled by things that you can go out and do pretty much whatever you want. And that's that self-determinism that I think is, uh, you know, been written about through books throughout time. And I just wanna um, also anecdotally just acknowledge Carol as well, because prior to one of our podcasts, um, when your wife wasn't able to get back to you, you know, because of COVID and all those things, and no matter what, you were gonna make sure that she was, you know, getting home with you. And, you know, yesterday you were with your wife and your dog snuggled up, you know, ready for Christopher's meditation. And basically you were talking about the fact that you know, in the morning, you sometimes just lean over and just say, thank you for being here, because there's a freedom in that, in the sense of where you know you have each other, because you committed to that, and so therefore you can spend all your time going to the gym, and going to places, and talking to people, and, you know, having a great time, because you know you have your home base, and I think sometimes having that home base is that freedom of where people think that if they're not tethered to other people, that somehow they have this freedom to do whatever the hell they want, but then they're also wasting a whole lot of time trying to make all these different connections. When in reality, when you find somebody really, really amazing, you basically have that opportunity to have that freedom. So I just, that, that story that you shared, Carol, was really touching in that sense of where, you know, you and your wife are lucky to have each other. And for those people who are, I mean, happily married, not people who are, you know, not people who are together by obligation. So just to be clear, but you know, when you're actually with somebody that's freaking amazing, who freaking loves you and you love them. And no matter what, it's like, you know, so I just wanted to share that to Carl because to me, what you were talking about, that really is that freedom because you guys have each other's backs and that's a beautiful thing. The, um, yeah, and, uh, when, when you talk, actually when Ken uh, was talking and now when you're talking Barbie, I get the, uh, the idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and that you have levels of freedom at each stage. So you have the freedom of uh, you know, feeling secure and safe and comfortable. You have the freedom of having enough food all the way up to freedom of thoughts, freedom of uh, speech, etc., and then freedom of self-actualization. So there, there are realizations of freedom at every step of the way, I think. Uh, well, this is all such amazing conversation. Thank you. Uh, I, so I was thinking back to you talking about um, the quote that you shared from Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. And I, having spent time in South Africa and seeing how people's freedom was taken away from them for so long uh, and going to Robben Island and seeing the um, exact cell that Nelson Mandela actually was in and the fact that his freedom was taken away from him by people who who just wanted to control him it was such such a profound lesson for me around freedom that while I was there I decided to get a tattoo and I uh, I never thought I would get a tattoo in my entire life 
and I decided to get a tattoo. Um, it's an African symbol that means freedom. And I got it on my throat chakra, like on, on the back, but symbolic of the throat chakra. And with that, it's the whole idea of us being able to speak for ourselves and speak our own truth. And that helps create our freedom. And, and so, you know, tying it back to Nelson Mandela, everybody that was part of that movement, they continued to speak their truth, regardless of the, the freedoms that were being taken away from them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's such a huge thing for me. And I, I have this symbol with me to remind me all of the time that we need to speak our, our own truth and speak for ourselves to create our own freedom in our lives. Well, it's freedom of expression as any expression that we have, our expression of love, our freedom of expressing our artistic freedom or uh, expressing our authenticity in whatever shape or form it comes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Brenda. Yeah, you're welcome, thank you. Nelly, and then we go to Kim. Um, thank you. Whoa, uh, Brenda, that was so beautiful. I have, I have, you took, you took me in a really beautiful place. Um, I, I, I raised my hand just a bit earlier because I wanted to acknowledge uh, Barbie because when you talked about Carol and his beautiful story and having a home base that gave him the freedom. Um, what happened to me is that I caught something. Um, so it just happened that I realized that, um, well, I knew it, but having a home, having a family actually um, has a lot, is, has actually, I, I feel it's natural to be feeling tied up to this um, idea of having to be there all the time in responsibility for everyone. And I realized that when uh, I don't go to the gym, I don't, I don't do many things because I think that leaving the house is not good. I don't have that freedom. So I used to go to the gym, do much more sports or social activities and um, see how society is, um, is sometimes getting into your head without you acknowledge without you being conscious of it. So when you said those words, it crystallized <laughs> in my head. I was like, oh my God, I, I, I could feel free to do stuff even if I have my house, my family at, in, my, in my high heart. I, that, that idea is new <laughs> and it made me realize that. So that was a, this is a, this is a very enlightening. So I just wanted to say thank you and how things can pop up sometimes unexpectedly, thanks to awareness and uh, inspired people around you. So thank you. For sure. And the, the idea of freedom in that respect, it's, it has more to do with the security and so if you feel secure being a vagabond, uh, 
you know, traveling, not having a, a, a kind of stable home, as it were, then that's your freedom. Sometimes owning their house and paying mortgage on it or paying rent can become a, a limitation in your freedom. You can actually feel bound by it. Uh, so it really comes down, yeah, exactly, Barbie. One man's freedom is another one's shackles. Um, so the it really comes down to the individual choice then, because if you have a house or if you don't, that really doesn't impact anybody else unless, apart from the government's uh, very important GDP, um, <laughs> we don't really need to care about that. So, um, come to freedom, like I feel freedom really belong to like. It's not just an individual. I feel like freedom also relate to how how connect to other as well. Because what I mean by that is I'm a parent, parent, mom of five kids. And I for the last 20 years, I always have freedom. So what happened, I probably had to probe back a bit, is I was I was born in Cambodia and there's war. They took the kid away from the parent. So when I so when I grow up later on, when I connect with my mom, come back joined together, my mom always occur like a stranger to me, and I don't know how to connect with her. And as a child, I can't do anything. When when I become a mom of five kids, I I I saw um, looking at look around like how do I have this relationship working? Because I I would assume I be spend my, the rest of my life raising my five kids, and I don't want eventually we go separate way. So I've been doing that, working that. And so for the last 20 years, I do a lot of personal development and all that. And to have freedom at home, like self-expression, communication, like authentically supporting environment, rather than with my mom where I grow up like completely no talking or just, you know, a lot of fighting and argument and that's all I know. And so I produced this in my own own family, which I did and it's, it's great. Like I have a lot of happiness there's rarely any argument in my home and all that. Any con any conflict, we can resolve it and complete it, and then we move on. And then it always ended like complete, complete, complete. You know, there's nothing building up, and that was amazing. So, but the difference is when I go to my sibling family, I have two brother or friend family. I can see their conflict in the family, and they just they. They seem like they don't have a question like how to resolve that. And I was sitting there and I can see this upset parent and also this upset kid there and they couldn't resolve the conflict. And initially I realized it's not a good idea to step in in front of a family conflict and try to do anything, just not a smart idea for me. So I tend to just hold on to it. But slowly the problem with that is, but I know I have the ability to solve something, but I don't have the courage. Until someday I realize, look, I know what is turning up because they were building up and nothing resolved. And then it end like, you know, they will go separate way or even together, it's not much, you know, to work on and build on. And so slowly I become like, okay, I walk away, walk away, but it bothered me because even physically, I put myself away from the situation. The truth is I know what's happening there. So I think, you see, I don't feel freedom. <laughs> I don't feel like, you know, it's all good. My family is working, but the problem is when we witness the, the world, when there's 
conflict, that's fine. We can't really, even physically, we can move away. The truth is we know what happened. We live in a world where there's war. We live in a world where there's conflict and there's, you know, all this conflict. And yeah. you can't, yeah. and I find it's hard to say, yeah, I, I live in a freedom world. Like I, I have freedom. No, you're not. Because you actually see it and you actually mentally know what happened. And you're know, like, you know, so there isn't. And slowly I, what I did is eventually I just step in and, and try to help out. <laughs> and it's quite challenging because, you know, no one say thank you for helping out. Everyone's up kind of like, so what do you know? Like, what can you do here? And, you know, <laughs> I become on my edge and have to be quick and have to be alert and have to be make sense you know, where people can deal with the situation. And it's not easy. Anyway, I just go back like freedom. I feel like eventually when you have the freedom, it no longer is an, as an individual because you have to be our eye and our senses have to know there is a freedom environment. It wasn't like an individual where, you know, I have freedom and that's it. The over there is over there and I don't need to connect it. Yeah, so I feel, I feel freedom is more than just just that. You have to be seeing it and knowing it, and that is real freedom. There are different levels of freedom. There are different gradients of it, isn't there? Yeah, I think eventually we it, it have to be authentically we know free, like knowing it, because we have to see it like we live in a freedom world. It wouldn't be inside a family or individual just in, a, in my head like, yeah, I have the freedom because we actually witness everything around us and the sense of it, yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, totally agree with that, especially if you take uh, a situation like you experienced there with the Camaro Rouge, uh, that then you are constantly trying to survive in an environment where freedom the physical freedom is very very limited right yeah and uh so but it's when you move down to australia then you have a lot more freedom right yeah but, definitely but, but there's still things that you're not free to do there are still choices that uh, are controlled by the government right so so even the even though the society is a lot more tremendously a lot more free and you you don't have to fear for your life, uh, there are certain restrictions still in place because of the the societal or the community or the uh, contract that you uh, sign up to when you go there to live, right? In my mind, it would be gradients and different types of freedoms that we can achieve. Uh, but in order to achieve the external freedom, we need to realize the internal freedom first. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think you have to have first in order to express it out. Yeah. If we don't have it here, we can't even show it up like that. Like yeah. having freedom. And then, and then I think in your case, like showing up as a role model, having realized that freedom, then people around you would say, oh, I like, I definitely like what Kim is doing. She seems so free and so uh, free spirited, right? And then they try to figure out what you're doing right. And then you can share that with them. And that then creates freedom for more people, right? Yeah, for me, I, I, I do it because like, 
when I interrupt, you know, the conflict over there, I'm changing my reality. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like helping them. But the truth is I actually walk away very guilty. It's like, you know, you could do something and you're not doing it. So it's like when you do that again, again, actually, you, it's quite bad. Like you walk away and they don't know what they don't know what I could, you know, I could help them or not. But it's an area I just focus on long enough. And so it, all the conflict, many conflict, they come up like I, I can. Yeah, I already thought through it and you know, deal through it. So it's just something I able to help them. But I actually changing my my reality, like, you know, what I was trying to helping my helping my reality is like helping them externally, but internally I actually doing something about it rather than stop turning a blind eye on something, something, you know, you just feel better in a sense, feel like they're causing some changes. Otherwise I walk away knowing they, you know, they never resolve any conflict and it's physically I'm away, but in my mind, I know what, so not, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thank, thank you, Kim. That's thank you for showing up and uh, being vulnerable and sharing your story. That's that's really important for us to understand. And I think we we in in societies where we have a certain level of freedom, we we do take it for granted a lot of times. And it's when we when we experience things like. COVID or, in a, or like 9-11 uh, in America and suddenly they start coming down on that freedom that we take for granted. You have this mm. reaction, right? Um, and I think it is a challenge and I think this idea of freedom is something that is going to be, it turns out to be a bit of a tug of war uh, over time uh, throughout history um, but we are far, far more free today than we ever have been as humans yeah. and individuals we're able to express ourselves uh, far more freely you know uh, in terms of our sexualities in terms of our artistic expression uh, God, I heard, <laughs> heard yesterday. Apparently, it was illegal for women in France to wear, um, wear trousers, and that law was only repealed in 2013. So, you know, we, we have come a long way, <laughs> even, <laughs> even in the past 10 years. Uh, go ahead, Barbie. I just okay. want to say that um, in regards to freedom, that one of the things I used to love as a child, my first international flight that I got to take was to Europe when I was five. And so I've been you know, traveling around the world since then. And I always loved airports because I love the airports that you would see all these people who were like, you know, oh my God, I haven't seen you forever. And you'd have family members like, oh my God. And everyone's like hugging and kissing and how are you? And then you would see, you know, lovers that would watch each other, you know, they would like be crying and like, oh, I'll see you later. And like it's, it's reunions and, and, you know, and then people are going for funerals and, you know, there's just like the entire microcosm of the world is in an airport, sure. but then 9-11 happened. And then it was like, you had to take off your shoes and you had to take off your belt and you have to take off your this and you had to take off your that. And then you had to go through this and you go through that. And I will never forget that um, I made an analogy of where I got to Heathrow airport when you had to go through customs and in that big giant hall, I thought to myself, okay, this is freaking Dante's Inferno in the 2000s. Cause it was just like literally the epitome of hell of people who are all literally like under these led lights 
and they're all just sitting there bleary-eyed some people you know in burkas some people in other different kinds of ethnic garb some people here and there trying to figure out what the hell is going on while this thing is blithering on at them and then they're offering you know shots of alcohol at two in the morning from some south african liqueur so that's the kind of thing of where i'm just mentioning that as just a comedy in the sense of where you know the airport really wasn't that different but it was this wonderful place of coming and going and there was this you know, it was cool and hip and you had like everyone dressed up like in Pan Am in the 60s, they had their cute little scarves and their women wear their cute little heels. And now it's just like, you know, you're on a Greyhound bus and you have people with their McDonald's that smells and there's just really no freedom whatsoever. <laughs> and you have to pay for every goddamn thing that you need to have on it. So there's not even any freedom to eat or drink or go to the bathroom anymore. No, you got to pay for the uh, bathrooms for sure. I think Ryan Air <laughs> is going to impose that soon, especially after the COVID when that, uh, what's his name, O'Reilly, is not making enough money, I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love that uh, the scenes from Love Actually when they're in the airport, right? Um, I think there's a scene at the beginning where the people are coming out and then the scene at the very end. It's kind of the same thing, but uh, where you have exactly what you described there, Marvin. <laughs> I know it's a it's a silly rom com, but <laughs> it has a bit of a message at the same time. <laughs> very very deep indeed. Uh, but great, I think this has been a wonderful discussion and uh, some inputs from you know countries like Cuba and uh, Cambodia. The, with different attitudes towards freedom or lack thereof, I suppose. Um, and everybody, as always, showing up with uh, beautiful energy and uh, bringing your best minds to the discussion. So I appreciate that. So until next time, I'm going to say thank you and uh, stay well, everybody. Our ideas of freedom certainly do vary based on uh, where we come from in the world and our cultural backgrounds but certainly also the ideas of uh, whose freedom should be prioritized are we looking at the individual personal freedom or are we looking at the collective freedom which one should take precedence so not very simple topic to uh, see black and white there certainly are gray zones in this topic that we need to consider very carefully and uh, you know, try and come up with the best solution. These types of topics can certainly create a lot of anxiety within ourselves. And uh, in our uh, coaching workshops at the Alchemy Experience, we do uh, bring these up and discuss them at length uh, as uh, in terms of how they pertain to our individual clients. So uh, if you are interested in uh, exploring these topics more as to how they apply for you then uh, certainly by all means uh, take advantage of our 30 minute uh, free consultation by going to our website thealchemyexperience.co.uk and there on that website down on the, in the right hand corner you will find a link to booking that uh, consultation with us but for now we uh, thank you for your attention and uh, Hope that you enjoyed this show and uh, we'll see you next time, hopefully. Take care now.